I'm Kate Parker. This is Warming Signs, a podcast with the sound minds of science. Forget about hugging trees. If we're serious about saving the planet, we better start planting some. Tree planting initiatives are taking root all around the world. The hope is they'll capture the carbon we're pumping into the atmosphere, but how effective are they? Are trees the best option we have for carbon capture? I recently spoke to Dr. Tom Crowther from the United Nations Trillion Trees Initiative about the role trees play in curbing climate change and his optimism made me want to pick up a shovel and get planting. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on Warming Signs. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. So we've seen a lot of headlines here lately regarding trees and the possible solution to climate change being trees. What's going on with all that? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we've all known for a really long time that trees suck in carbon from the atmosphere and they store it in their leaves and trunks and material. But we've never really known quite how powerful a tool they are because we've never really known what's possible on land. So we've actually just finished generating the first global map to show where trees can exist on the planet. And it shows that there's a huge amount of space available. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Where trees could exist is what we recently have done. I, it, it's like you just think that they exist where they exist and that's that. Well, that's it. We've got loads of research saying, yeah, the trees are all here. They're in the tropics. They're in the boreal, whatever. But we had no idea of where they could be. And that's what we needed to find out is where do trees naturally want to exist? And what are the areas that we can focus on to restore them? So what has kept trees from existing in those places then? So predominantly, it's been human activity. You know, we we Mm. understandably have needed a lot of that land for agriculture and for urban activity. But a lot of times we cut down those trees and then we move on and don't even use that land to its fullest extent. And those are the degraded lands. And we find that there's a huge, huge area of degraded lands across the whole planet that are just prime for restoring trees. Is there an example that kind of sticks out in your mind as like, hey, this place is just dying to have trees and, you know, that really sticks out like a sore thumb to you? I mean, the examples are endless. It's hard for me to choose one. That when we do these global studies, we usually try and find areas of hotspots that are most important. But the crazy thing about this one is it's just everywhere. There are that it is completely global coverage. Everywhere that there should be forests, there are also areas where we could restore forests. And I mean, some nice classic examples are in the tropics. There's huge areas where either slash and burn. Um, agriculture or just normal agriculture where, you know you cut down a forest you graze your animals there and then you move on to the next spot and when you leave the soil's all depleted and destroyed and it means that trees don't naturally grow back there so you need to help them out a little bit by the you know amending the soil with some nutrients or by planting some trees but another I mean there's examples up in the high latitudes as well I, I think it's Iceland is a country that used to have a lot of tree cover but then since humans came there, a large area of those trees, were so, they, were, they were all removed. And now mm. trees don't naturally recover on their own until we can help them out a little bit. It's actually, I was in Greenland last year and there aren't trees. I mean, there were a couple of evergreens that someone had planted, I think, for fun, just to see what they would do. But whenever I was in this huge natural landscape and didn't see any trees, it felt like I was on another planet. That's exactly it. I mean, trees are part of nature and those environments that 
could be storing trees, the ecosystem is structured by their existence. They're like the most important components of every ecosystem. So it's weird when they're not there. Restoring them is kind of the goal of our lab, really. We want to try and promote nature coming back to its fullest extent, if possible. So what is the connection between trees and climate change? So as I mentioned earlier, trees are this incredibly powerful natural tool that's sucking carbon out of the atmosphere. They literally do it, and that's how that's how they grow. They get their carbon to grow. And so we've always thought, you know, restoring trees and protecting trees is, is good for the climate, but we never realized quite how good until we'd finished this study. And what did the study find? So what we found is there's actually room across the world to restore about 0.9 billion hectares of forest. And I realized that that doesn't say much to mo many people, but that means that we can get loads of trees growing in those areas. More than a trillion trees could be could be restored across that land. And if those trees, you know, over the hundreds, hundred years or so that it would take for them to mature, by that time they would store 200 gigatons of carbon. And Whoa. again, I realize that's a weird number. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, so it's another weird number. But if you think that since the start of the Industrial Revolution, humans have increased the amount of carbon in the atmosphere by 300 gigatons, that oh. 200 gigatons that the forest could capture seems really, really big. That's kind of just blowing my mind right now. 200 gigatons. We've put 300 gigatons. This really is a, a possible solution for climate change. It's not just these headlines that were kind of making the rounds, right? Well, it is <laughs> definitely part of the solution. I'm never going to say it's the solution because... There is no the yeah. solution. No, we need cuts to greenhouse gas emissions is the first step. We need to slow down the amount we're emitting. Every year we emit about 10 gigatons into the atmosphere. Some of that goes into the ocean. Some of that goes onto land, but a chunk of it stays in the atmosphere. And so obviously cutting emissions is, the, is, is an absolute priority. But if we want to get that 300 gigatons that's up there right now, trees are definitely among there, among there with the top climate change solutions. And they can do a huge chunk of good that doesn't just relate to the climate. They also improve biodiversity and human happiness too. They make me very happy. I, um, <laughs> exactly. I have seen, we've seen these, you know, headlines out of India, India, you know, creating this record, breaking this record of 66 million trees that they planted in 12 hours. When you hear things like that, it makes it seem like that trillion goal is more possible, but we forget that there's a million, uh, it goes million, billion, trillion. Uh, and so it. it's yeah. 66 million sounds like a lot. And then thinking on the scale of a trillion, is this possible? Is this actually achievable? So that is a really, really important question, I think, because there are a lot of people out there who will say this seems unachievable at the global scale. To restore all of that land seems really difficult. And they use that as an excuse to do nothing. People will say we can't achieve 100 percent of it, therefore we'll give up. What we found is, you know, if we even achieve 10 percent, we'd be having an impact that is as big as any other individual climate change solution. That would be astonishingly powerful. And on top of that, there is, as you mentioned, already a movement beginning. There is, we already know of 6,000 restoration projects, each of which are restoring millions of trees. Over the last few months, 
millions of people marched for the climate crisis. If we can use even a fraction of that energy for restoration and incentivizing landowners to restore forests, I genuinely believe we can achieve something incredible. We've done far crazier things in the history of humanity. This is definitely up there if we're going to try and stop the threat of climate change. This is the perfect place to stop and tell you about how Ethiopia just put every Arbor Day enthusiast to shame. Now, India has been on a roll, smashing records for most trees planted in 24 hours for years, the most recent being 66 million trees in a single day. But Ethiopia wasn't playing around. At the end of July, they set their sights on the lofty goal of 200 million trees in a single day. They ended up planting 353 million trees in less than 24 hours. 353 million trees. That's five times as many as India accomplished, and India has 10 times as many people as Ethiopia. As we've been learning, trees are extremely important for removing carbon from our atmosphere, and Ethiopia is a place that has seen a ton of deforestation. A hundred years ago, 35% of the country was covered in trees, but by the 2000s, it was down to 4%. The hope is not only to fight climate change, but also land degradation that is so rampant in this arid country. Now let's get back to Dr. Crowther to see what we can do in our own communities to spark that kind of change. So we're actually based in Georgia, and Georgia is a very well-covered state as far as uh, trees go, especially South Georgia and the North Florida Panhandle area where there are a lot of tree farms. So this is timber, um, pine timber that is specifically grown for things like telephone poles, very straight, you know, narrow type trees. When we grow those and then cut them down and then replant, is that like a net zero or are we losing some of our ability to ca capture carbon? So that's a that's a really good question. The, Georgia is in particular, I went there a couple of years ago, actually, and it's amazing for the tree cover. The forest there is spectacular. I like living here. The, yeah, it's a damn good place to be. But the, what I would say is trees are generally good in places that trees should be. But what we'd like to promote as much as possible is a high diversity of trees. So those plantation forests mm. are obviously useful for the timber industry. And I, and I can't I can't knock that. I'm, I'm not in any way against the timber industry and people making the most of natural resources. But when we're talking about restoration, we're really trying to talk about getting things back to a healthy state of uh, a healthy, a healthy state of affairs. So in areas that we could restore, we'd like to promote people having a diverse mixture of trees and then prefer preferentially not cutting them down because all I'm not saying that that, that it's a net negative when you when you cut down that tree and use it for a telephone pole that carbon stays in that pole for a long 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 time and it's having a really good impact but again what what our research is motivated by is to, is to try to get things back to natural systems and that's when we get both the largest amount of carbon storage and we get really long-term healthy ecosystems that store carbon for the longest amount of time so what is the importance of having diverse foliage and not just all pine trees i mean what kind of difference does that make so it's amazing. You wouldn't believe the impact of having a mixture. If you imagine like, just imagine a small tree and a big tree and a shrub next to each other, 
they fill out so much more space. They all have oh, different yeah. strategies for capturing nutrients and light and water. And that means as a community, they're way more efficient at using up those resources and they end up just filling more space and having more biomass. When you've got a monoculture of the same species, they all do the same thing and they take up the same area. So they actually compete with each other more and they do a less efficient job at growing as a community. That's such a good explanation. I, <laughs> when you said this, I immediately, I immediately pictured my backyard. I have a natural growth space and a lot of clover because I want to support the net, the bee population and the natural wildlife population. And I thought immediately about the different types of trees that I have in my yard. And because there are many, um, and the different heights of everything that I hadn't really considered. Now, is there a particular, do you have like a favorite, you know, like this is my, this tree is my favorite child because it does the best job. Do you have a favorite? Uh, honestly, from a carbon perspective, no, I do not. Because simply put, my favorite is whatever the tree that would naturally be in that location is. And so if I have a favorite and and then people start planting mahogany in, in the boreal forest, it would be a disaster. We need people planting that, you know, restoring the right species in the right locations. But if I were to be pushed, I just, you can't go, you can't go wrong with a weeping willow. I just like willow oh, trees. Wow. They look amazing. I haven't yeah. seen one of those in years. You just like brought me back to my childhood. My friend had one in her front yard. Oh yeah, I love there those too. Yeah, but I'm definitely talking aesthetically. They're just a beautiful tree. I'm not, for the climate <laughs> impact, just restore what should be there. We just had the um, uh, 4th of July holiday here in the US and um, they have, there are certain fireworks that when they're shot off, they look like weeping willows. And every time I go, ooh, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> like a child oh, <laughs> but so it is my favorite, favorite. Tree too. well I don't know if it's my favorite tree but I guess I had never really considered what my favorite well no I actually I have uh uh two star magnolias in my backyard oh, wow. those things I had n oh they're gorgeous I didn't plant them <laughs> and they're probably not native but uh, they are just beautiful trees so that might be my favorite yeah but my favorite <laughs> firework <laughs> or the ones that look like willow trees. Yeah, I, I, if someone wanted to kind of support this, you know, in a meaningful way, they could probably find some organizations where they live that are maybe working towards some of these goals. But what about just in your own home space? What can you do? And what other things does it support at the same time, like wildlife and different stuff? Yeah, so that's... A good question. We want to make sure that all this research ends, you know, gives everyone the route, the means to an end. And we say there's three simple things you can do. First is you can restore trees yourself. If you, you love getting your hands dirty, get out there. There's, there's, there's tree plantations all over the place and tree farms where you can get seedlings from and start restoring trees all over the place. That's fantastic. What we'd encourage if you do that is to do it ecologically right. And so on our website, actually, we've got, you can, you can click on, we've got a map and you can zoom into your garden and see what, you know, how many trees could I get there? What type of trees could I have there? And what would be the healthiest way to do it? And you can literally immediately click on and, and get going. Seriously? So that's, what, that's what, one way. Wait, we got to know your website. Yeah. Where do we go? www.crowthelab.com. It's really easy. It's like if you've got Google, I mean, it's like a Google Earth map. You can just zoom around, click on your area and go, oh, God, I could have this many trees. Look, at, look what we could achieve. So that's that's first step. Second step. 
yeah, donate to projects. There's so many people doing it. It's unbelievable. And again, for, on that same website, we've got a map of, of our favorite ones doing it around the tropics. And so you could, if you know, understandably, we're not all going to immediately start planting trees. If you want to just go and give a dollar or $10 or $100 to one of those companies, they will immediately turn that into trees and into carbon. So that's awesome. And then the third one, if you want to take a, a little bit further step back, is honestly just think about your investments. Think about what you buy. Think about what you invest money in, whether it's your, you know, your 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 fund management or your your uh, what's it called the pension just try to make sure that you're focusing on companies that have a positive environmental impact and actually there are companies out there that will help you to do it and we can link you to them as well if you come to that website i like that three easy steps things that you can there do there you go i'm gonna ask exactly. you one negative question and then one positive question so bear with me while we kind of go to a, a little bit of a negative space here is there an example that you have, you know, in your research or even personally been to in person of a deforestation or just really egregious use of land that had a, a significant impact on you? I have spent a lot of time in a lot of places where deforestation has taken place. And it, and it, honestly, you, it always has that powerful impact. Even if it's done sustainably, you go to a place that used to be a forest and suddenly there's a load of stumps. It's just devastating. Not only are all the majestic trees gone, but the wildlife vanishes too. But the biggest impact personally for me was I went to uh, Mauritius where understandably humans have to make a living and they've, and, and they've done so by massive scale um, sugar plantations, sugar cane. And it is just, I was overwhelmed because I am obsessed with biodiversity. I went there to, I thought I was going to see rainforest and snakes and lizards. And you get there and it's just mile after mile after mile of, of sugarcane, which all of us are eating and I'm loving it. I'm having it on all my food, but it, it's devastating to see that impact. Yeah, that's hard. But are there things that you're seeing happen globally that are giving you hope? That's the question I like. There are absolutely amazing signs. I mentioned 6,000 projects planting millions of trees around the world each. There's also genuinely these projects connect societies. They connect local communities. You're, almost all of these projects that, that we're interested in connect to the local landowners, and then that connects them to the, to the rest of the community. And then you get the whole community coming out and caring for the, for the environment. One project that I love is in Costa Rica, where this guy has just been, this Costa Rican guy has been trying to live his, to achieve his dreams for the last 30 years. And it's really starting to get momentum now. And he's been trying to form a huge corridor of trees across Costa Rica because there's all these amazing biodiverse rainforests that are all disconnected. So animals can't move between them. And he's been speaking to landowners all along the way to figure out ways in which he can encourage them to restore trees and, you know, just either pay them money to incentivize him or encourage the local community to get behind it. And it's insane. There's now 50 local communities all working together, all coming together and having this amazing social impact, as well as forming this amazing uh, corridor that Jaguar and all sorts of things are moving through. It's, it's amazing. I love Costa Rica. You said that and I just... It gave me such a warm, fuzzy feeling because it is just an incredible, from, you know, the rainforest there to Monteverde, which is on the continental divide and like a totally different, the wind 
through the trees there was just sent chills up my spine. Montevede is literally my favorite place in the world. That's exactly that. where he lives and where that project started. It is that corridor goes directly through Monteverde. Yeah, it's stunning. And the reason it's stunning is because of that immense and magical biodiversity. You know, that it, it's magic. There's actually we have a, uh, a drink in my household that we got the recipe from from a guy in Monteverde. I think at the like Monteverde Monteverde Gardens might have been the spot. Anyways, it's the house drink now. And I literally have <laughs> nice. like the recipe on a receipt. It's t just like a bunch of herbs, basically, like yeah. that I have on our fridge that we just that's the house drink. <laughs> I know. I feel like everything I experience in Monteverde becomes my life experience. It's, <laughs> it's such a good place. So not but a, yeah, so that's so Monteverde that's gives you hope. You know yeah, exactly. Perfect. I mean, honestly, and we've got, you know, we work we're saying that there's room for these trillions of trees. Since we did so, the, the UN's billion tree campaign was immediately converted into the trillion tree campaign. And that was in the last couple of years. There's this organization of thousands of children around the world, just children. And their motto is stop talking, start planting. Mm. And they've already just, this is 70,000 children actually have promoted the restoration of about 14 billion trees, billion trees. So we're talking in the right wow. scale now. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that hope. That really is an uplifting uh, way to end this podcast. Fantastic. I'm so glad. I just, yeah, need to make it clear that this is an opportunity that gives us hope. And I love that you finished on that because, you know, planting trees doesn't just have the benefit of the tree being there and, and, and the health benefits and the biodiversity benefits. It also weirdly gets you really into the climate fight. It starts you start recycling more and, and being more sustainable in your life. And it's such an empowering thing that we can get behind. We don't need anyone to tell us to do it. We can do it on our own. Thank you so much for all of your insight. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's been great to chat. Thank you so much for being a part of the Warming Signs family. I love it whenever you chat with me, whenever you say, hey, Kate, I liked this. I hated this about this episode. So tweet at me, at WeatherKate. That's at Weather, K-A-I-T. I would love to hear from you. And if you have an idea for an episode, I would love to hear it there as well. A huge thank you to our team here at Weather.com who helped get this out of my brain and into yours every other Tuesday. Until next time.